106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Whatever happened to all the BLM protests? You guys just stopped as soon as Biden was installed. The police hasn't been defunded. The police hasn't been abolished. So you're just telling me that for about six months it was a huge issue where you had to go burn and loot and murder and scream in the streets and now all of a sudden it's nothing anymore? Or, or is it that we have a lot of sheeple in this country that are manipulated by the mainstream media? No doubt they're going to blow that BLM whistle again at some point, probably right before an election. It just, just, just please, this time, this time, put together some critical thinking skills and realize that you're being manipulated. Where are you from? Uh, Louisiana, Texas area. How long have you been in San Francisco? Since uh, June. If you're going to be homeless, it's pretty easy here. I mean, if we're going to be realistic, they pay you to be homeless here. When you said that San Francisco pays people to be homeless, what did you mean by that? <laughs> you mean that literally? Yeah. I mean, I get 620 bucks a month, dude. From yeah, general money. assistance? Yeah. Or what'd you get? How was that hard to get? Phone call, bro. Phone call. 200 food stamps and 620 bucks cash a month. Wow. Forget about it. Why wouldn't I do it? You know, it's free money, dude. This right now is, is literally by choice literally by choice like why would i want to pay rent i'm not doing shit. i got a cell phone that i have amazon prime and netflix on the cops told us uh this morning like oh it'd be easier if you guys packed up in the morning we wouldn't have to come out here and i'm like what are you talking about he's like oh okay and then right wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election wait 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 can we can we talk about stealing presidential elections again because before the 2020 election, there were far more people switching from Democrat to Republican for four years. And you remember who was president for four years. Yet we somehow got the highest amount of votes in American history for someone who campaigned from their basement. And then when we posted the videos of all the shady stuff that happened on election day, like, you know, putting up boards to block people from observing the counting, they were taken down. So are we allowed to talk about this again now? Yes. Yes, you can. But only if you're a Democrat and look like George Soros with a wig. The pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading. See, right away, I got to say, this pisses me off. I see these headlines all the time. The pandemic didn't do that. The way we handled the pandemic did that. The pandemic certainly was a thing. But let's not just say the pandemic, because it was not written in stone that we had to handle it the way we did. Uh, act scores are the lowest in 30 years. Um, anxiety and depression way up. The body mass index uh, increased, doubled for kids 2 to 19. Drug overdose, overdose deaths. Murders way up, inflation at a 40-year high, domestic violence increased. Um, oh, and my favorite, car crashes. They couldn't figure this out. They're like, way, way, way up. And they're, finally, the ex I love this. This is the, the expert said. You know what it is? People just went fucking mental. We have the letter from the Nursing Home Association that said, whatever you do, don't send COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. 
and yet the governor did. When Andrew Cuomo even backed off of this, Governor Whitmer doubled down. She even tried to hide the final report of the numbers of how many deaths we had. In fact, she's tried to hide a lot from this pandemic. She tried to hide, or she did hide, effectively, why her Department of Health and Human Services director left. In fact, she even paid him off with a secrecy agreement. We warned you about Black Lives Matter. We told you that it was a fraudulent movement trying to make money off the backs of dead black people. And we were called all kinds of names, racial slurs, threatened. I had friends cut me out of their lives because I didn't support Black Lives Matter. There was a woke pastor that let his congregation members call me a right-wing piece of SHIT because I didn't support Black Lives Matter. When I was a public school teacher, they sent me a lesson to teach the kids about Black Lives Matter. And guess what? I didn't teach it. I'm not going to turn my classroom into a propaganda machine. Am I mad? Yes, I am mad. You know how many people died at those protests while you guys were cheering them on? One billion dollars in damages? All of you guys, all of you guys that was supporting Black Lives Matter, you, you need to wake up. Good afternoon, this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. This is episode 189 to appear on November 12, 2022. Just making a change here. And a welcome. Happy you're with us, however you got to us. If you're a regular, or maybe this is your very first time. Uh, for those who were just starting out with us, this is a approximately a two to three hour uh, episode and uh, I talked for six 20-minute segments separated by some uh, news clips that I have picked out that uh, fit in with what's going on right now that are always educational and and uh, the people that are doing them are brighter than I am so that's why I include them I don't uh, want to be redundant or long-winded, so I don't repeat them or analyze what they said. I'll just let them say it. So here's a couple ways you can reach me. You can uh, go to my phone number at 530-713-1838. Again, 530-713-1838. I will repeat that again regarding a project uh, working on uh, with one of my uh, friends, Dr. Cassidy. But uh, you can text me there. I'm on the left coast out here in California, Northern California in Yuba County. I'm sitting in today. You can text me or you can call me. Uh, just be mindful that we're in a, a time difference, maybe from you, wherever you're calling from. But uh, certainly happy to take a call. I don't really screen calls. I just take calls. So um, also you can reach me by email by going to Lou, L-O-U, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. So that's uh, based off a website, nohostagesradio.com, and that's where we post uh, all old uh, episodes as well as articles that are right for a local newspaper uh, in the area here, Territorial Dispatch, 
and <clears throat> you can check those out or go there and look up an old uh, podcast or refer if you heard something and you want somebody else to listen to it that's one place you can go or you can i don't know how all your your podcast source works so but that's what we have stashed for you i also do a uh, a saturday uh live show from 10 a.m in the morning here on the west coast to one in the afternoon that's on kmyc it's a local am station so if you're very far away obviously you can't listen to it or it's 104.3 fm either way but you could go on to the website at KMYC 1410 and just click on live and listen on your computer. Or you could go to live365.com and click on radio and then put in the call letters KM, like Mickey, KMYC, and it should pop up and uh, play whatever is on the radio at that time. So 10 to 1 on Saturdays, our time over here. Uh, if you want to uh, connect with me there. All right, so <clears throat> I wanted to mention uh, right off that uh, obviously everybody's uh, having a hangover from the election. I feel like I have a hangover from every election. There's never been an election where I just felt all robust and excited that I got my way. It always seems to be different, and I've always, I'm always fascinated by the prognosticators on how, um, how they're so confident and so seem like they're zeroed in, but the fact is they just aren't, and I don't know whether it's just uh, people unable to uh, sort out the polling or whether they're biased in their polling. And so when the facts roll out, if we can believe the facts, isn't it amazing now we, we every election now, it's more like a third world election or a Russian election or a Venezuelan election where you just can't have any confidence in the vote. And uh, then over the next two, three, four years, they'll be sorting out the different uh, failures in the voting system. People will get arrested. But yet we don't really change the outcome, right? So we're in a, a precarious situation in the United States right now. And so uh, the the results are still uh, being tabulated here as I'm sitting here. Uh, this show will show up, as I mentioned, on the 22nd. Uh, but I'm working on it here <clears throat> uh, a few days Sorry, I'm not on the 22nd, on the 12th. I'm working on it a few days earlier so we can uh, have some other people uh, add their twists and edits to it before it actually is cleaned up and goes on the uh, Internet. So, uh, therefore, I don't know what the final outcome is on many elections, and I'm not really here to uh, do a critique on every race and why it turned out the way it did. Uh, there's plenty of people talking about those things. I'm more here to talk about the nuts and bolts of where 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 we're at and what we're going to do on the ground here and whatever ground you're sitting on or standing on. And the fact is, uh, my feeling has always been, of course, anything I say would be my feeling. Uh, but by saying my feeling, I'm just kind of emphasizing my take on things, and it's been that way for some time, regardless of who's running the country, regardless of even if it's a communist uh, takeover of this country, 
uh, my experience in communist countries is it all depends on what's going on at your local city or village or town and who's really in control uh, on how much freedom you're going to have and what you can get away with. Isn't that interesting? What we can get away with almost sounds like a criminal term. But when you have an overreaching, authoritarian, top-down, uh, hyper-vigilant management-style government, you actually uh, are trying to get things done around the edges or underneath the radar, beneath the radar. That's the way communist countries are. And uh, so if you've never been to one, and actually maybe if you visit one, you didn't think it was any big deal, but if you're actually are trying to accomplish something, um, you run into a lot of problems. So that's uh, our country has become more and more socialistic, or a th uh, the best term I think we could use is authoritarian. Well, then you get rid of the labels. Authoritarian would be that freedom is minimized um, to the benefit of those in authority. And so the people in authority, regardless of what level they are, whether it's city, county, state, uh, they simply are managing every little aspect of your life from the speed limit to how much water you can use to whether you can start a fire in your fireplace or what day you could burn brush or uh, just on and on and on and on, whether you can sell a taco on the corner without a license and just there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws managing your every move. And there's hundreds of taxes and fees and surcharges uh, taking money from you at every move you make. So uh, my concern, or my not my concern, but uh, I am sold on this idea that we need to take dominion, and that's a Bible term. That's where I first started focusing on, where God gave man dominion over management of the earth. We need to take control of our local county and our local city. And if we cannot get control of our local county and our local city, we are not going to have the pop to get control of the state or any other jurisdiction. So it is um, <clears throat> incumbent on us, if I can use that term, incumbent on us, or it's mandated upon us, or it's the most important thing or the critical thing, is to stand up at the school board meetings, at the city council meetings, at the supervisors meetings, uh, recall people, vote people in, vote people out, um, start a referendum if we need to get control and make our community more like the founding fathers had in mind, which is ultra freedom, maximizing our freedom, minimizing government controls over our lives, minimizing taxes and um, enforcing the law and passing ordinances and getting control over our community and having representatives that actually see things the way we do. And so often we vote people in thinking they see things the way we do, and then they get in there and they, you, you realize that they don't see things the way you do at all. 
It's a problem. So in recalling people is very, very different, difficult. Now, we've noticed around the United States, including down in San Francisco, people recalling uh, school board members, for example, and uh, which is amazing to me. Uh, but it, it just tor- takes like a perfect storm of sociological phenomena to pull off a recall. A lot of people talk recall. Oh, we're going to recall them. But those people are not usually the ones that are going to lead or work. Uh, it takes much, much, much more work to recall someone than it is to elect them to office. That's just my take on it. So I want to mention one of those organizations that I have hopes for of building a grassroots effort among individuals uh, to push and pressure and uh, cajole, cajole and to uh, pr- have an influence over our elected officials, and that group is Sutter Yuba Republican Women Federated. And it's been around for decades, and we're hoping that with uh, additional leadership and younger uh, people coming on and taking the reins from some of those that have carried the weight for so many years, uh, that they would light a fresh fire and blow on the embers of conservatism and get it on. So they've been having monthly meetings for years, and they used to attend uh, or have the meetings over in Yuba City in Sutter County, but they're a bi-county organization, which I think is wise. And so this coming meeting is on November 17th, Pizza Roundup. It should be a very interesting meeting because it's obviously following the election, and things should be pretty clear by the time that meeting pops up. November 17th, Pizza Roundup. That's at 2004 Kovalod Street in Marysville. That's out in what we call East Marysville. And you can reserve a spot over there at syrepublicanwomen.com. It's a website, syrepublicanwomen.com. Or you could just dial up 530-632-6195. Once again, 530-632-6195 and to get you a spot. And uh, usually it's easy. And also men are invited. And Or if you're a lady, and, and I would encourage you to go, even if it's for the first time, just walk in. Uh, it's easy. Just get yourself a, a little meal ticket or whatever and go. And usually they'll have a speaker. I don't know who, whom the speaker is yet, but uh, the main thing we're trying to do is equip people to do something, not just have meetings. Have meetings. Uh, having meetings does not really accomplish a whole lot except get people to know each other. But we really need to get more and more people registered to vote up in Sutter Yuba counties to vote conservative and uh, and also on ways that we can help candidates that we think are really worthwhile candidates to take uh, over our leadership in Yuba and Sutter counties. So uh, check that out, and I think you'll be happy and you'll meet some really like-minded people if that's the way you think. Also, I have a commercial playing a little bit later, but uh, I want to just remind you that in, in light of all the other uh, crude uh tacky pornographic nasty entertainment that's going on nowadays whether it's in the movie theater or whether it's on internet or wherever uh there is family friendly 
uh, memory building theater that's going to happen uh, this early December at the Creative Light Theater, uh, which is located out at Embassy Theater. It's the physical uh, plant is Embassy Theater on the Church of Glad Tidings campus at 1179 Eager Road, Yuba City, California. That's Sutter County. Creative Light Theater presents a couple plays each year, usually one in the winter and one in the spring or summer. And this play is their winter version, and it's going to be conducted on December 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 9th through the 13th, every night, 7 p.m. It's free. There'll be refreshments. Uh, be a fun time. It's something you can bring your children to, and uh, I think you'll really like it. So we have a—it's uh, it's set uh, in the— uh, 1800s and actually part of it is in the when the civil war breaks out and it's christmas time and i think it'll be a great time for you if you're looking for things to do with your family that are free and also the uh, festival of lights at church of glad tidings will be started i think at the first of that month so the whole campus out there will be lit up uh, with all kinds of activities going on and lights everywhere. So it should be a very beautiful and special time for you and your family. So check it out, and uh, I think you will enjoy it. So I wanted to, I've been um, monitoring people dying, uh, which is, uh, I'm trying to convince you or inform you or bring the argument home that even though the newspapers or the electronic media is not reporting this, millions of people are dying around the world. And so you think, well, they, they always die. People die every day. People are born every day. People get sick every day. And I said, yeah, that's the way it used to be, right? That's up till COVID. But they died in certain ways. <clears throat> and um, they usually died of a disease. Uh, usually there's always a way... They determined why a person died, the manner and cause of the death, as the coroner would say, the manner and the cause of the death. And it's very unusual for young people to die, young being teenagers on down and young being under 50. And when I see people under 50 die, I think, oh, they got taken before their time. Right. And then then the question is, why? Why did they get taken before their time? So. I listed some people here, uh, the Canadian chief of emergency medicine and a marathon runner and Olympic sailor. He died on a run the other day in Canada, right? How about this one? Cleveland Guardian player Andres Melendez died at 20, just said he suddenly died. 49-year-old high school principal and Super Bowl participant champion died while riding his bicycle 32 year old actress model I, I may not say this right Chalby Dean or D's dies sudden illness 32 year old Netflix star Boosie Larawi L-U-R-A-Y-I died suddenly at 36 33-year-old Malden police officer Sean Dillon died suddenly, not shot, just died. 26-year-old neurosurgery resident, in other words, a doctor, died 
that made, uh, he died in July, actually, <clears throat> a few months ago, but that made seven Canadian doctors in this particular small little region died in a two-week period. Seven Canadian doctors. You think that's odd? Seems odd to me. 49-year-old Detroit Tigers first base coach collapsed and died. And I just saw yesterday Coy Gibb, who was a 49-year-old professional racing uh, guy. His whole family, the Gibb family, was ra were racers. His sons just won a championship, but he's only 49. He, never, he just went to sleep and never woke up. So just on and on and on, uh, there are millions of people dying. Uh, undetermined, they say undetermined the cause. Isn't it so interesting that they find they won't bring up the fact that these people were injected. And many people that were injected and mock those that were not injected with the poisonous jab, uh, they're, all, they're also dying. Famous people and unfamous people that got all nasty, uh, that everybody needed to take the jab to save everybody. So, uh, and I think this is just the beginning, as the Bible said, the beginning of sorrows. Uh, because when people's immune system is compromised... Uh, I got a call from a friend who was a teenager years ago in our church who now is a doctor back in Virginia, and she was diagnosed after taking the jab with, just soon after, within a year, uh, having stomach cancer. Already had most of her stomach removed and been chemotherapied and done all the stuff, and she's still got cancer. We'll be right back. we got five more segments to go. took down basketball nets, and taped off playgrounds. They forced children to sit in isolated circles, forced children to eat outside in the cold, put plastic around school desks. They canceled school dances, graduations, and sporting events. They enforced curfews. They closed beaches and parks. They prohibited you from entering your place of worship. They called parents who objected at their child's school domestic terrorists. They shut down small businesses, but kept big corporations open. They forced you to wear something on your face. They had neighbors ratting out neighbors. They banned, fired, and silenced health professionals and scientists that disagreed. They censored speech and stopped travel. They arrested, fined, and jailed those that did not comply. They wouldn't let loved ones visit loved ones in a hospital, resulting in people dying alone. They forced people to inject themselves with something they didn't want in order to keep a job. They told you you couldn't have people come visit you at your home. They stopped people from gathering at funerals. They banned singing. They banned dancing. They treated you as peasants while they gathered with their elitist friends. They lied over and over and over again to you. They took your freedom and they want you to forget all this. Do not forget. Let your voice be heard loud and clear. 
Breaking news, New York Supreme Court reinstates all employees fired for being unvaccinated, orders back pay. They fired over 1,400 employees for being unvaccinated and now they have to hire them back. Imagine the stress they put these families through and the pressure to get the shot, the pressure to you will lose your job unless you get the shot and then actually firing them. Not only should these people get their back pay, but they should also sue for undue stress. And once again, those of us who were speaking out against these disgusting mandates are vindicated. Be careful who you vote for in November. Very careful. It could mean the difference between keeping your job or not. Don't vote for these power-hungry Democrats. Hi, I'm the spokesperson for the Democratic Party. And I'm here to tell you why you need to vote blue this November. It's been a crazy few years. And after getting that former guy out of office through totally legitimate means, we've finally been able to get some work done for the American people. Led by our vivacious president, the country is better off than it was before. Sure, you can't afford to feed your family, but let's take a step back and look at the big picture. The first priority for our devoutly Catholic president is to make it easier to dismember babies in the womb. Empathy. Our foreign policy has been, well, perfect. Just a few months after Joe Biden took office, America brought Afghanistan back to its tribal roots, reviving their classic culture. Some people criticize our immigration policy, which is basically to incentivize poor migrants to cross the border by refusing to enforce the law and promising them free stuff. The only way we'll change our policy is if Texas border towns keep turning red. In that case, we'll have a wall up faster than you can say, see, say Podway. Look, I could go all day listing the accomplishments of this administration and the Democratic Party, but why not listen to our voters instead? Here's what they have to say. Not being able to afford to eat out, go on vacation, or pay our electricity bills has really brought our family together. Literally, we had to move from our four-bedroom house to a studio apartment. Thank you, Joe. Thanks to you, my daughter is the number one girls tennis player in the world. Congrats, honey. I don't know what I'd do without Democrats and the teachers unions. With their help, I get to spend all day telling white kids to hate themselves. Thanks. Democrats' COVID policies forced me to shut down and honestly, it's fine. It's, it's, it, no, it's it's great. It's great. It's um I'm great. I'm I'm doing well. Things are things are really good. It's 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 better this way actually. Um I I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm so glad Joe Biden forced me to get the vaccine. I was perfectly healthy, but I didn't want to lose my job. Thanks, Joe. Democrats have been in charge of my city for decades. And while we don't have any jobs here anymore, I can't go out at night without the fear of being murdered and our water is undrinkable. I still feel really good knowing that my vote helped my neighbor. Somehow. Thanks, California Democrats. Things are going great. You heard them. Democrats are helping real people. But most of all, we're defending democracy by sticking the FBI on our political opponents and sending the DOJ after parents who don't want their seventh graders to read porn at school. See, the Republican Party represents fascism, and the only way to win is to combine the powers of the government, big tech, and major corporations to censor and silence them. Look, 
It takes courage to vote for the party that every celebrity and Instagram influencer is telling you to vote for. And while it looks like we have power simply because our ideology dominates all major corporations, big tech, Hollywood, academia, public education, the administrative and security states, the CDC, the NIH, not to mention the World Economic Forum and the UN, we're actually the underdog. Remember, the real enemy is Christian nationalism, which we won't define because we don't know what it is. Unity. Thanks to those of you who support us. You're voting for us to save democracy, to bring back normalcy, and to end racism. We'll get right on that. In the words of our president, we're one nation under, you know, the thing with Hajigakar and Hijigwe for all. I'm the spokesperson for the Democratic Party. Vote for us in November. All right, we're at our, our second segment here, and I wanted to, uh, as I do throughout all my uh, podcasts or live radio, mention those that uh, help us stay on the air or stay on the internet. <clears throat> and by the way, I just saw where DuckDuckGo, who I switched from Google, uh, because I thought DuckDuckGo was a better deal. DuckDuckGo is now announcing that they're going to eliminate all independent news uh, sources on their search engine. They're going to block them, which is really sad to me because DuckDuckGo offered a lot of different other locations where you could search for topics and decide for yourself whether you believe them or not. But now DuckDuckGo is going to be a... Uh, they're going to act as a moral filter and as a uh, misinformation or disinformation filter for me and become the next Google. So now we're going to have to look for another search engine. Isn't that sad that the, the way things are? So I want to mention to people that are friends of mine that like what we're doing here and they are supporting uh, what we're doing. And one is Ira and Gina Burroughs. At YS Junk Angel, Ira has been fired by the San Francisco Fire Department for not taking the jab. And now he and 20 other firefighters are suing the city. And so far, so good. It's progressing through court. But if you want anything moved and you think, oh, this has been a pain. I need to get rid of this stuff. I need to clean out this garage. I need to clean off this property. I need to haul this piece of equipment out of here. YSJunkAngel.com will do it for you if you text them or call them at 530-329-3113. Once again, 530-329-3113. Also, Little Billy's Excavator and Backhoe Service, they're located in Loma Rica up in Yuba County. But they will travel around Northern California, they being Izzy Garcia, or as I like to call him, Israel Garcia, that's his name, and he will uh, fix what you need fixed on your property with that big excavator or the backhoe. And uh, whether you need a hole dug, trenches dug, or filled in, or uh, hilly places made flat, 
Uh, he can fix it up for you, whatever you need done, and he will do it at a good price, and he is an honest, fair man. He is a military veteran serving in the Marines, and so you can reach Israel at 530-300-6010. You can text or call him, 530-300-6010. And uh, the third one is All Power Services, Will Fanning and Josh James. They're at 1469 Stewart Road. What what does all power services mean? That means anything you have, any equipment, car, truck, big rig, uh, chainsaw, jet ski, whatever got some power connected to it, they will fix it for you. And they also are expert welders, fabricators. So if you want to reach them, you can reach them by text or calling 530-844-0347-844-0347, All Power Services, or you can email them at allpower1469 at gmail.com. Okay, so I wanted to mention to you, uh, or to start off with something, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, some COVID stuff later. Some people like a year or two ago said, Lou, quit talking about COVID. They didn't think that COVID was not going to leave us. So I want to talk about an interesting thing that goes on and um, that I think is abuse of our rights. And um, so it's the confiscation of people's assets when the police suspect that they the assets were uh, obtained through illegal means. Like, for instance, if you have a lot of... Um, things like cars and boats and houses and for some reason they come up with the idea that you purchase those with money that was got illegally like through drug sales for example they can come in and take the money from you even if they found some a stash of money like one day we were on a trauma intervention call and a lady said can uh, the lady's husband died and the lady said, honey, could you go, the tip volunteer, honey, could you go from uh, get underneath the bed and get this metal box out for me? And so she brought up for this older woman. And when they opened it, there was something like, I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 in that thing. Well, the police could think that that was all drug money, right? And instead of they were nervous about the banks and they just kept money at home. But the police uh, and the IRS can come in and just take money out of your account or take money from you without proof of where it came from. In other words, in, in our law in the United States, the concept is you're innocent. Even though you're arrested, they come and arrest you for something, right? And then they have to prove it in court that you actually did it. You're innocent until proven guilty. I mean, that's, that's a foundational principle in the United States of America, different from other countries. But in terms of like uh, forfeiture, asset forfeiture, it works differently. And I don't think it should. Uh, I don't think they should be able to just confiscate things and hold them for months, years, and you have to go get an attorney and pay them thousands of dollars. So what happens is... If the amount of money taken, say it's eight less than $10,000, if you go get an attorney, it may cost so much money to get the attorney to get your money back, you're just going to walk away from it. It's kind of the same concept as when somebody is driving a car in California and they get pulled over and maybe they don't have insurance or the car is not, maybe the, the tags have expired 
They may take the car from you and tow it to a lot and hold it until you resolve it. And uh, or maybe your license uh, has expired and you haven't renewed your license. Right. And so anyway, they they move you from the car and uh, they take the car from you and they have it towed to a tow yard. Well, some some cars, uh, if people are poor. This affects poor people more than others. If people are poor, they don't have the money on hand to go and and pay the fees to get the car out of the tow yard. So therefore, they lose their car over an infraction, right? Yeah, they, they something was wrong. It, it indeed was. But, in, uh, but what happens now is now you've, without any public transportation around here that's, that's reasonable to get you to work and back, you lose your car. So here's what happened. In California, the police seized... $17,000 from a couple sisters, Vera and Apollonia Ward, and they accused them of laundering drug money, all without charging them ever with a crime. In other words, they didn't arrest them. They didn't take them to jail. They didn't, do, they didn't actually file any charges against them. They just took their money. And what happened was they, they didn't even live in California. They lived in another state. It's listed here somewhere back in the Midwest or something, and they wanted to start raising dogs and selling dogs, a dog breeding business. And so they found the type of dog that they wanted, and so they were going to buy a set of these dogs so they could begin breeding them and their favorite dog. And they found these dogs in California, so they sent $17,000 in cash. You know, some of these dog breeds are expensive, right? I know a little bit, just a little bit, not too much, but a little bit. And I, I'm shocked at how much people pay for a dog that, that's a real, a certain breed. So they sent $17,000 through FedEx. <clears throat> uh, so this article said that the sisters ran afoul of the civil asset forfeiture law, which allows police to seize property suspected of being connected to criminal activity. Even if the owner... <laughs> is never charged or convicted of a crime. And so then you have to go hire an attorney and you have to take the, the government to court to give your assets back, even though they never filed a, a criminal complaint against you. So uh, law enforcement says that civil forfeiture is a vital tool to, to disrupt drug trafficking and criminal networks by targeting their illicit revenues. And I would also add in that they the Homeland Security uh, gave them a wide berth to go after terrorists and and take their money from them, right? So civil liberties groups uh, and a broad range of advoca advocacy groups have been publishing reports showing that asset forfeiture lacks due process protections. For instance, to go, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but during COVID, when the government said you have to, certain businesses must close, go home. They didn't provide any way for you to make a living. They didn't provide any substitute money for you. They didn't take you to court where they could actually pay you to stop your business, right? That's called due process. And it's a concept in the constitutional con constitution called takings. You can't take from people their assets or or their 
their uh, property without a due process. Like recently, we at the Church of Glad Tidings, they're going to do a road expansion to improve safety, and they want to purchase some property from the church. So they came out and staked it, and they explained how much property they need, and they showed it to the, the leaders out there. And then the next process is they're going to offer them some money, a due process, right? Eminent domain, due process. They're going to offer them some money and try to come to an agreement on how much that a couple thousand square feet of properties worth. Okay. That's a due process. So this, uh, so what happened is these people got a, these sisters got a phone call and they, they thought it was from FedEx and, uh, they sent 17,500 to FedEx, uh, to a person in California to purchase or to provide these dogs. Uh, maybe it's a person called a dog broker. And uh, they got an unusual call, and they the person was asking them if there was something uh, that they wanted to describe. They said, what's in this package? And they said, nothing. Just uh, they were going to uh, – I think the dogs are called American bullies. And so they thought FedEx was calling, and they said, can you tell us what's in this package? And they said, it just we're just sending some cash over to pay for these dogs it wasn't a check or cashier's check it was cash so the person on the phone asked if they're uh, about any other contents in the package so in follow-up calls it became clear that they weren't dealing with fedex customer service but rather with the san joaquin county sheriff's office which suspected the cash was drug proceeds and uh so uh they weren't going to, to return the cash to the ladies and they weren't going to give it to the dog owners to purchase the dogs. They were keeping the cash. And so the sheriff's department said, uh, you know, the, the, the sisters said, well, how, you can't just arbitrarily keep cash. And they said, well, how do you know it's drug money, the sister said. And they said, well, we think the money smells like marijuana. That's exactly what they said. And the lady said, well, we don't smoke anything cigarettes are marijuana and it's it's not possible we're not even around marijuana and they said we we retrieved that money out of the bank we went down to our bank and we took the money out well they weren't going for it and so they had to uh, get the services of a um, the goldwater group it's a uh, uh, attorneys it's called the goldwater institute they hired them or got them to serve without being paid to take on their case. And so months went by. And, uh, but after the wards, the couple, uh, the two sisters, their last name is Ward. After they connected to Goldwater Institute, prosecutors relented and returned the sisters' money. The cash was held for six months on accusations that weren't supported by any evidence at all, that they didn't have any evidence that the ladies ever were involved in drugs, marijuana, anything. They just said, well, it was cash and it smelled like marijuana. So the uh, obviously it was through great uh, disappointment and uh, trouble that they caused these women. But the fact is the government got totally away with it. They kept their money. They, no apologies. 
They just simply took advantage of these women, and I think it's wrong. Do I think that there should be some way <clears throat> to attach the the uh, assets of people that are doing um, nefarious things, wrong things, harmful things, murderous things, uh, terrorist things? Yeah, I think there should be ways to do that. I don't think people should just be able to go in and take everybody's assets and just automatically say, uh, or or cash. I'll give you another example, uh, although we're coming to the end of the second segment. There are businesses that handle a lot of cash, like pawn shops and uh, different types of stores, and they make deposits of cash a lot of times, as opposed to checks or credit cards. And uh, so it isn't unusual under this asset forfeiture that the the banks in the United States are told if you get a lot of de- uh, deposits of cash, we want to know about it and we want you to highlight that and let us know. And what they've done on businesses that are, uh, say, gun stores and pawn shops or gun stores slash pawn shop combos where they're handling a lot of cash and they make a lot of deposits because they don't want a lot of money. If you're in business, you don't want a lot of money staying in your store because you could be robbed. So you're making lots of deposits of cash. And so what they've done to various gun stores and pawn shops and things around the country is they come in and they just say, they just come to the bank, take all their cash out of their account, and then they do the same thing they did with these sisters, which is asset forfeiture. And then you have to prove to them somehow that you uh, you did not get this money through nefarious means. So anyway, I thought it was an interesting thing, and it's a violation of our constitutional rights. Uh, there, there are some kind of codes and laws and procedures that they've, they're getting away with it, but it's not right. And uh, people like this, uh, like if you ever send cash, I, I rarely ever, I can't even remember sending much cash, but I don't know why these, maybe the dog owner or the dog broker said you need to, I, I only deal with cash, right? So maybe they kind of twisted their arm into um, t- to dealing and providing them cash. So anyway, uh, that's a situation, and I, I think it's a, a bad situation, and it's, a, again, uh, whether it's that or whether it's people invading your privacy and tapping your phone, it used to be used to have to get a warrant to listen in on conversations. Now people, the, the various agencies, the United States government can just listen in on your conversations. They listen in uh, on, they look at your emails, they look at texts, they look at all kinds of things. And our rights have been undermined. So uh, bummer right? That's a big bummer. But I think we're going to have to stand up and fight that and, uh, and take people down that are abusing us in, in that fashion. So uh, let me mention a couple other people here. We're coming to the end of this segment and then we'll, uh, we'll have a break and, and then we'll pick it up after that. So uh, let me mention a couple other people. Uh, Dr. Cassidy, who's been out of town this week, should be back. Actually, the day you listen to this, he'll be back from Singapore. He's got a son over there that he's visiting who's uh, a, an officer in the Navy in Singapore, stationed in Singapore. So uh, we work together uh, on helping drug addicts. And the way you can get some help, whether you're an addict and struggle with anything from tobacco, methamphetamines, 
cocaine, whatever it is. You can call Peachtree Health at 530-749-3242, 749-3242, and get an appointment with Dr. Cassidy. Just tell them that you have you need him need to see him over addiction when they ask you why. If you get frustrated by trying to get through the auto attendance, and if you want to speak in Farsi, press this number. If you want to speak in tongues, press this number. If you want to just cut through all that and you can't handle it, you can dial up or text, actually, Dr. Cassidy at 530-682-8648, 682-8648. Just text him once. Don't blow up his phone. And just say your name, your phone number, addiction, help. And uh, if that all, if that's frustrating, if you can't get back to him like he should be back on saturday the day that this pops up but you can always reach me we work together to get people off the streets into rehab to get medication to to get stabilized and off narcotics uh, or any other product 530-713-1838 is my number you can call or text me anytime of the night or day seven days a week no problem and we will get it we will get it going on for you. So we're going to take a break here. We're coming up to our uh, second spot here, a uh, second break and we're going to start our third segment out of 6. Be right back. Everybody's consolation. Everybody's trying to tell me what is right for me. Senator Biden, it's nice to have you here as the youngest member of the Senate, the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there. I wonder if you'd say to us, <laughs> since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I thank you for that, though. The system does produce corruption, and in, in, I think implicit in the system is corruption, when in fact, whether or not you can run for public office, and it costs a great deal of money to run for the United States Senate, even from a small state like Delaware, uh, you have to go to those people who have money, and they always want something. When people say, well, the FBI leadership is political and corrupted, but we can't abolish the FBI, there are rank-and-file good men and women serving our country. I would say, where? These good apples that you talk about, where are they? Because they're not in Philadelphia. They weren't in Michigan. They're not in Florida. They're certainly not in Los Angeles. That's not just corrupt leadership in the heart of the swamp in Washington, D.C. This is everywhere. I don't want to be right about this, but all the evidence, all the evidence is, is laying out, laid out right in front of us. I know some people will say, well, it's too extreme. It's too hyperbolic to say abolish the FBI. The FBI does serve some necessary functions. And those functions, those necessary functions should be farmed out to either other agencies, other law enforcement apparatus, maybe state and local law enforcement, and the rest of it should be raised. The FBI in its current form cannot be saved. You can pretend to save it. You can eliminate some of the political people at the top, but the corruption is to the core. It is rotten to the core. No matter what you think or feel about Steve Bannon, the fact that he has been found guilty of contempt of Congress, yet others have faced no consequences at all, people like James Clapper, for example, sat before the U.S. Senate under oath and lied directly about an NSA program that was conducting mass collection on millions of Americans. Or John Brennan, for example, as CIA director, he spied on Senate staffers, lied about it, 
and also broke into Senate computers to read emails from whistleblowers to members of Congress. Now, both Clapper and Brennan kept their jobs and to this day still have faced no consequences at all. What to speak of being charged and prosecuted and found guilty of the crimes that they committed. Now, this is just the latest example, unfortunately, of how our Department of Justice has become a political weapon being used by those in power to go after their political enemies. Creative Light Theater presents Comfort and Joy. The Wright family, with their four lovely daughters, are celebrating the most magical Christmas of all before the oldest one leaves the nest to be married. Jump forward 17 years. The Civil War is in full swing. Husbands and cousins and servants alike are off fighting for the Union. Christmas looks entirely different now. No decorations, no presents, no celebrations. But what they do have is family, love, and traditions that recall the most beautiful gift of all, God's baby son come to earth, the pure heart of Christmas. This original musical will stir hearts with the power of love and family when life becomes overwhelming and self-care is vital to carrying on. Join us December 9th through 13th at 7 p.m. nightly at the Embassy Theater at Glad Tidings in Yuba City. Admission is free. One time I was trying to check into a hotel in Chicago at 1 o'clock in the morning because I missed my flight. Nobody's at the front desk, just a little bell and a sign that said ring for service. So there I am. All of a sudden, I heard this. I hit a bell. <laughs> Are you the one ringing that damn bell? What the hell you want? I'm checking in. You know what time it is? It's tomorrow. I know, I missed my flight. Mm -hmm. What's your name? My name is Gabriel Iglesias. Iglesias. Yes, Iglesias. Okay. E-G-L. No, 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 no. It's Iglesias with an I. With an I? You didn't say Iglesias. You said Iglesias. Mr. Iglesias with an I. What's the I stand for? I need a bigger bed. All right, welcome back. I want to talk about the FBI for a second. Uh, there's a clip on here that talks about the FBI that you'll hear. Uh, I won't comment on that, except it's along the same vein of the FBI has become corrupt. I think a lot of us wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt because we thought, well, maybe it's just a political leadership. The 6, 7, 10, 12, 15, 25, 30 leaders, key leaders that have become corrupt and now uh, actually tried to overthrow the presidency of the United States. But they've also been involved in all other kinds of things, like they've set up crimes that, that wouldn't have never, would never have occurred, except they got involved in the contrived uh, taking hostage of the governor of Michigan was one. Uh, 
Waco, Texas, was another with the slaughtering of the of the commune down there. Uh, just on and on and on, uh, they have set up crimes and uh, got it, got people to do their dirty work for them or did it themselves. And so one of the, one of the situations that happened around the the time of the uh, Hillary Clinton Trump election was the murder of Seth Rich. Seth Rich was 27 years old. He was a voter expansion data director at the Democrat uh, for the Democrat National Committee. And um, he he was a, a Bernie supporter, big Bernie supporter. Again, you have lots of people working for these different committees. Some are uh, a supporter of various leader people that are campaigning for president. He was a Bernie uh, supporter, advocate. And uh, so on July 10th, 2016, um, he was killed in a Bloomingdale neighborhood. That's in Washington, D.C. He was shot in the back twice. Some people, some people that believe they know what happened, uh, believe that the, uh, that some gang members were paid off to kill him. Uh, they claimed it was a robbery, an attempted robbery, but nothing was taken. Uh, everything of, of a value was still on him and, uh, nothing ever came of it. Uh, we don't have any, it's kind of like the Aaron Easton murder of his wife, uh, the chief Marysville police chief, Aaron Easton, the death of Sarah Matthews Easton was initially, some people talked about it as a suicide, a gunshot to the head, but, um, the autopsy and the investigation, uh, is still open supposedly, and it's never been stated that it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And, uh, so in this case, same thing. We have a guy that's killed. And so along that time, there was a leak of a lot of emails from the Democrat National Committee, and it exposed the fact that the primary election to put Hillary Clinton in the presidential election was contrived, was uh, manipulated, uh, was uh, cheated. Uh, Bernie Sanders was cheated out of the uh, nomination. And so when that got leaked out, the Democrat uh, people said on FBI said, oh, it's Russian hacking, right? But other people claim that Seth Rich leaked that information. And uh, so when people because, you know, here we are uh, 20 in, in 2022 and nothing's been done. So when the FBI was in, uh, a man out of Texas began to ask the FBI about it and uh, his name's down here. I don't know whether it's that particular important. Uh, Ty Clevenger, he filed a freedom of information request to the FBI seeking to obtain information on Seth Rich's involvement in the DNC email links. Not like, did you kill him? Um, so anyway, the FBI said, we don't have anything. We don't have anything on this. Well, they lied. And the FBI has become, I guess, more skilled at lying than they have at maybe solving crimes over the last number of years. Or maybe it's been that way all along and we're just waking up to it. So according to 
the October 27th court filing, the FBI now alleged that the data it previously denied having now has about 400,000 pages plus images and videos which it could only review and process at the rate of 500 pages per month. Now, this sounds just like Pfizer or was it Moderna when the judge said we need to know we need to look at what your testing procedures were on the jab. And they said, well, it's going to take us like 50 years because we can only go through and redact and release so many pages a month. And the judge says, no, you're going to release it now and get it out. And that's when we begin to realize that Pfizer and Moderna and all of them were lying to us. And the jab had nothing to do with COVID. And really what it does is kill people. It's killing people left and right. So the, the FBI said it's going to take us 66 years at 500 pages a month to, to go through, redact, evaluate, and release uh, this information that's requested on the Freedom of Information Act request, okay? So... The judge says, no, uh, you're going to release it. Now, the Rich family has actually been so sensitive to his, his parents that when people brought up that they thought this had to do with the leak, he got killed over the leak of this, these documents, that they've actually sued people uh, to stop the investigation. And uh, the interesting thing is that when Seth Rich was shot, when they took him to the hospital, he was still talkative. He was talking to people on his way into the hospital. But after he got into the hospital, there were some sort of complications. We don't know what they are. And he died. It's sort of like that lady named Ann Hetch or H or Hechi, the actress who supposedly her car got out of control and she crashed her car. And down in L.A., people that know her said she never drove fast. She drove slower than the speed limit. But supposedly she was under the influence and ran at a high rate of speed, crashed her car. And uh, so when they, the interesting thing, she died at the hospital, right? But when they rolled, you could see the video when they had her on the stretcher and they had the bag covering her head like she was dead already. But... Before they put her in the back of the ambulance, she sat right up on the stretcher, totally conscious. So, after Rich's death, Seth Rich, rumors circulated that the killing may have been politically motivated and that Rich had possibly been involved in the internal email leaks uh, to expose the fact that Hillary Clinton, the Clintons, which they have a... uh, Hundreds, actually, of dead people. It's it's amazing. How many people in your life that worked with you, even though I'm, I'm saying if you're like the Clinton's age, right? But even drop 20 years off the Clinton's age, how many people that had worked with you or been involved with you or friends of yours were murdered or committed suicide or on and on and on and on? The Clintons actually have... 70, 80, 90 people that died. And so now this is another uh, tied to the Clintons. So 
David Hardy, um, he's the section chief in charge of records, stated in September 19, 2017, we were unable to identify main file records responsive to the FOIA. In other words, they submitted a FOIA, and this is a common thing. If you don't describe everything exactly as they, you have to almost know what you're looking for. So they said, we have nothing. So Ty Clevenger stated that the FBI is hiding documents about murdered Democratic National Committee employee Seth Rich. So he said he requested a criminal investigation, not only into the death, but into the cover-up. So the FBI is covering up the death of Seth Rich. So Brian Huddleston of Texas, represented by uh, Clevenger. Oh, sorry, it's uh, Clevenger did the filing, but it's for a guy named Brian Huddleston. So they filed another FOIA request, nearly identical to Clevenger's previous request, this time prompting an acknowledgement that the FBI possessed over 20,000 potentially relevant material. So a judge finally said to the FBI, you have to produce it. So the Clevenger told the Epic, Epic Times, after dealing with the FBI for five years, I now assume that the FBI is lying to me unless and until it proves otherwise. The FBI is desperately trying to hide the records, etc. One claim, again, is what I already told you, that the DNC email leaks published by WikiLeaks appeared to reveal that the committee had conspired with the Clinton campaign to undermine the campaign of Bernie of Bernie Sanders. I have a new laptop here and I'm learning how to use it. So I'm, I'm stumbling a little bit here. So uh, anyway, Rich was a disgruntled Sanders supporter who had secretly NPR reported this, it's, that Rich supposedly secretly stole thousands of emails and gave them to WikiLeaks to try to stop Hillary Clinton from winning the presidency. And he, and they, the, the suggestion is that Clinton and the Democrats arranged his killing. Think the Democrats would do that? Certain people in the dirt. Now it's interesting that Robert Mueller, who was discredited with the with the Trump investigation, he was appointed special counsel to investigate the email leaks on May 17, 2017. Mueller's 2019 special counsel report claimed that the Russian government was responsible for leaking. Honestly, Robert Mueller is a criminal, along with Clapper, who was the head of the NSA, and uh, and others that uh, head of the CIA, Bannon, Brannon, not Brannon, uh, I'll think of his name in a minute, the head of the CIA, the head of the NSA, the head of the FBI, all these people are criminals, and a lot of other people. Um, so anyway, uh, the New York Times had previously reported in May 2017 that Rod Wheeler, private investigator and former Metro police detective hired by the Rich family, had claimed that there was tangible evidence that, that Rich had com- communicated with WikiLeaks before his death. Wheeler quickly walked back his claim on CNN and the MPD, Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia, underscored that that it was now unfounded. Listen, people, uh, these guys are dirty. And Seth Rich is another one of the many people that are in the Clinton graveyard of people that they fell uh, out of sync with uh, and and could be eliminated. I don't know whether you've um, 
I, I've been totally fascinated with the uh, a guy that just came out with a book named Roger Reeves, R-E-A-V-E-S. You can see it on YouTube. He's got interviews all over the place. He did over 30 years in prison. But he used to be a fire uh, fire captain or fire department employee and maybe a captain down in, I don't know, it was Redondo Beach, California. So he's a firefighter, raised in the South, but ended up in California, was a firefighter, and stumbled into a way to make some quick money, and that was flying. He, he also had a pilot's license, flying marijuana into uh, the United States. And he was making $40,000 a flight, and then he moved up to moving cocaine into the United States, getting paid $1 million per flight, dropping uh, cocaine into the United States. Ended up eventually getting caught doing time in multiple countries. But one of the things that that uh, uh, you might have seen that uh, Tom Cruise movie where he's a pilot flying uh, dope into the United States, and it was based on the the life of Barry Seal. Barry Seal had worked for the CIA, worked for a lot of different people, and uh, was involved in moving guns down to the Iran, uh, the uh, Iran, not Iran, uh, Nicaragua Contra, Sandinista Contra uh, conflict um, back in the uh, was seventies and eighties, and anyways, flying guns down there, and then the CIA was using his plane to fly cocaine. And they came up with the idea of crack cocaine. The CIA, some some believe some renegade CIA people, they were making money off selling cocaine out of South America into uh, into United States of America. And so their guns were going out of the United States of America to the Contras that were fighting the communist Sandinistas. And then the plane going back supposedly empty was full of cocaine. So anyway, why do I bring that up? Well, I bring that up because Barry Seal eventually uh, was working with uh, Roger Reeves. And uh, eventually Barry Seal was assassinated and kind of set up by the U.S. government, found guilty. He was going to do some some halfway house time, et cetera, et cetera. They, they did a plea deal. A lot of people got arrested. And... Um, so he was eventually assassinated by people from South America. Why, why am I bringing all this up? Because they knew there were three airports, uh, one in Nicaragua, one somewhere else in, in, uh, in uh, South America, Central America. But the final def- destination, one of the comments was that no one, none of these smugglers were going to get arrested at MENA, at the MENA airport, MENA, Arkansas. That's where the Clintons had all dialed in and Barry Seal were, was buddies with Bill Clinton. And uh, so he was paying off Bill Clinton and anybody else down there, but no one was going to get arrested hauling cocaine or marijuana into the MENA, MENA, Arkansas airport. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and so you can look at, if you have any time to look up the Barry Seal assassination or Barry Seal or uh, Roger Reeves, his Roger Reeves, interview is totally engaging so you ought to you ought to check it out so okay so let me mention a couple other people that are helping us and we're going to come up to a break here in a minute uh so uh let me mention alan's auto body whenever i have a car repair needing uh, like a body repair i take it to kevin 
Kevin Clark at Allen's Auto Body, and I always just uh, walk away. My blood pressure is normal. My heart's not beating rapidly. And I know that in a, in a matter of a short time, he will have my car looking like showroom. And uh, if you have a problem with your car, whether you get in a collision or whatever, you just need a paint job or repairs or whatever, Kevin at Allen's Auto Body at Tea Garden at Sutter Street, right on the corner, big racing stripe, yellow racing stripe around the build, building. You can't miss it. In Yuba City, you can dial him up at 530-671-1057. That's a landline. 671-1057. And they will take care of you. Or you could just pop in there Monday through Friday, and they'll take care of you. Also, uh, North Valley Paralegal is just walking distance from North Valley, uh, from Allen's Auto Body. And if you need any legal work done, Nelly Garcia at 751 Sutter Street, just up the street. Yuba City, North Valley Paralegal. She will take care of your legal needs, and you can reach her at 530-751-9289. So probably the easiest way is to make an appointment. Then you're not going to waste your time and not going to throw anything off over in the office. But she's easy to get a hold of. Make an appointment, get in. She will take care of your uh, needs cheaper than an attorney, faster than an attorney, kinder than an attorney. She's very honest. She takes care of my uh, needs like that. So 751 Sutter, the landline is 530-751-9289. So an interesting thing all around the country. Well, let me just speak for California because I don't know about these other states. But there's in the California Constitution, there's rules on who can raise taxes. And so there's some loopholes or some options that local uh, government can raise taxes as well as the state government. And there's rules where they have to have a two thirds of the legislator legislature to raise taxes. But at the local level, sometimes it's a majority 50% plus one and other times it's two thirds. So we've had a, a race or a competition. What do you call it? A measure put on the ballot by the Sutter County supervisors to raise 1% more sales tax to add 1% more. So that'd be over 8% for just the regular items that you pay sales tax on. And then if you buy lumber or something like that, it's over 9%. So that race uh, happened and it's a very, very close race right now. I, I was told uh, there's still more votes to count, right? And, of course, I'm doing this show on uh, the the 9th, and you, you're going to hear it on the, t- the 12th. But uh, anyway, uh, I'll talk about it after the break here. We get, we're halfway through the show, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a minute. Only you can make all this world seem right. hours to add zip ties to the mix you can't make this shit up tell me again how this intruder got into the home with this eight million dollar mansion with no security for a high profile political figure 
Man, something ain't right with this story. I'm telling you, it flashes rainbow all across the screen. It seems that Paul, at 82, is living the lifestyle of an adventurous action hero in a thriller novel where he is recklessly fleeing the enemy while speeding in his hot new Porsche through the valley while gulping down bottles of Hennessy until he violently wrecks and totals his car. And just when you thought the story was over, months later, he's in his home in a suspenseful hand-to-hand -hand combat fight with the hammer-wielding Thor that invaded his home, leaving him with near-death, fully recoverable injuries. Man, ain't nobody buying this, man. Remember, folks, if they're telling you something that doesn't make sense, it's probably not true. This ain't nothing but a love affair gone bad. This summer, Chloe Cole spoke out against California's passing of SB 107, testifying that both her and her parents were manipulated and bullied by the state to undergo destructive, life-changing surgeries. And while Florida bans puberty blockers and so-called sexual reassignment surgeries for minors, California Governor Gavin Newsom signs a bill allowing children from any state in the country to go to California for transgender medical procedures without parental consent. California is being hailed by the death cult as a transgender surgery sanctuary state, now providing chemical and surgical castrations for all of America's children. According to this new law, California can take emergency jurisdiction over any child from anywhere if there's a disagreement between the parent and the state of California over how to treat a child's gender distress. SB 107 states, that taking a child away from the child's parents is justifiable if it is done to pursue gender transition procedures in California and allows for the state to wage child custody claims against out-of-state parents. SB 107 forbids healthcare providers from providing medical information related to gender identity procedures to a child's parent, even if sought under a subpoena. After permanently mutilating her own adopted child, Kathy Molig has been working full-time for California nonprofit Trans Family Support Services, where she reaches out to hundreds of children all across the country, luring them to California to castrate themselves. She often does so without the parents' knowledge. I work with a lot of youth um, before they tell their families and, and helping them in shaping what that looks like. Her work focuses on conservative communities where parents may not approve of having their children castrated. We have kids coming from all over the country for our virtual groups. We also opened a chapter in Huntsville, Alabama, because the people in red states really need as much support as they can get from us allies, in particular in states like California and Oregon and Washington. For whatever reason, people are allowing this incredibly evil attack against their own children. And recently, Lara Logan interviewed a UN insider who explained to her why children are the biggest target. I get it, but I don't get it. The children. You just, you gotta, I still have, I have such a problem with this. You gotta explain this one to me. And he said, um, well, first of all, you're looking at it the wrong way. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they don't define children the way you do. They don't define the world the way you do. The choices that you face are not their choices. 
break, they have a, they look at it completely differently. And, uh, and I said, well, okay, so how do they look at it? And he said, for them, everything is defined by their one fundamental all consuming purpose. I said, which is what? He said, to defeat God. For them, the younger you are, the closer you are to God, the more pain they can inflict on God. So the more you can make a baby or a small child suffer, the greater your victory over God. And that is the only consideration for them. Taco Bell done started trying to trap niggas. <laughs> I gotta go all around the country warning my people to beware. Taco Bell is trying to trap niggas, yes. They made a taco out of chicken meat. <laughs> yeah, trying to trap niggas in there. We got to draw the line. No, Taco Bell, no. We don't stop them now, they'll have chitlin' chimichangas and hog mall nachos, no. We don't want no cornbread churro, make them regular. Welcome back. We're in our fourth segment here. This is the the start of the second half. And I was telling you about raising taxes at the local level. And wherever you're listening from, you may have a way that local politicians can think they ran out of money instead of run, run out of management skills. And they want more money. So there may be some mechanisms there to raise money that they can keep keep it all local. So, for instance, in, in California... The sales tax, I think here, <clears throat> the basic sales tax in California is like 7.25 or 7.50%. And then each local entity, and then the, that sales tax all goes to the state government, and then they give you back a very little for the local area, 1% or 2%, right? <clears throat> so there's ways that the the legislature has allowed... Uh, the local uh, political leaders to raise local taxes, local jurisdictions like a water district or garbage district or something, or a city or a county can raise like one or 2% or a half a percent up to 2%. uh, And they can keep all that money, all that one or 2%, they keep it all locally. And so that's been a, another cash trough uh, for these local entities that think they're running out of money. Now, the reason they're running out of money in California without going down this rabbit hole, because they don't have time to do that, is that they are promising government employees pay pay scales like twice, more than twice as much as the private sector. And then they're promising them pensions at about 80 or 90 percent of what they earned on the highest earning year as long as they live. And so it's bankrupted 
the counties. They haven't filed for bankruptcy, but what they do is they can't pay this, what they call the unfunded pension liability. And so many of these, even a small county like Uber, Sutter County, they owe $150 million in unfunded pension liability. In other words, they promised to pay these people, but they haven't set the money aside, right? So it's kind of like you saying at the end of the month, you're telling the credit card company, I will pay my payment at the end of the month. I'll pay off my card. And the credit card company is saying, well, if you don't, you can actually pay a minimum payment, like a $40. You don't have to pay the $4,000, but you, you need to pay 40 And then we'll just charge you interest on the balance, right? So that's exactly the same principle that CalPERS, California Public Employee Retirement System. They say, well, you need to make this much payment, but we'll charge you interest in the meantime. Right. And and so you can we kick the debt can down the road. So the so then the, the county and the city, they turn around and say, well, we don't have enough money for police and fire. They don't talk about pensions. They don't talk about the fact that they're paying people three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand a year, two hundred thousand a year. And you're only getting paid fifty thousand dollars a year, forty thousand dollars a year in order to and you have to pay for that. Right. So this debt is so huge that the current generation will never pay for it. And so people that make these decisions to pay these government employees and pay the pensions, they make those decisions. They go on into the future, die, but never take care of the debt. So the debt is being paid by future generations that never even got the benefit of of these people working for them. In other words, children that are in the in the uh, elementary school grades in Marysville and Yuba City, in the counties I live in, the children that are kindergartners will are going to end up paying for the debt that we're paying the pensions on right now. It's crazy. So what happened is this one percent is called Measure A, and uh, so that was on the ballot here uh, yesterday, and. Uh, the 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 government now it used to be that they'd have to get two thirds of the population that voted to vote for it, but now they've wormed their way through corrupt judges to water down that code to where they just have to have fifty percent plus one. Now our founding fathers believed that that was going to create chaos. In our government, if 50% plus one can decide something, they could decide, for instance, that brown they don't want any brown people living in their community, and all they need is 50% plus one. They could say, we don't, we're not going to allow anybody to go out of their house on Sundays, 50% plus one. We're not going to allow anybody to wear short shorts, 50% plus one. We're not going to allow anybody to drink alcohol, 50% plus one. They could just make all kinds of crazy rules, right? What protects us is the Constitution violation. But, but the government has become skilled with corrupt judges at undermining our Constitution. For instance, the Sutter County supervisors have probably spent about a half a million dollars not of their money, not of their personal, out of their personal pocket, not of people that have contribute to the cause that want to raise taxes. 
They have taken money that they've already taken from us through taxes, and they have violated our, our free speech rights. The, the Constitution equates money to speech. Like when you go buy a loaf of bread from XYZ store instead of the ABC store, both of them have bread. You buy from one instead of the other. You're exercising your freedom to choose one versus the other. So the Constitution says that the government cannot go and use our monies that they've already taken to lobby us and to persuade the government, to persuade the citizens to tax themselves more. But they just go ahead and do it. And, it, and it's going to take a major lawsuit or a referendum to stop them from doing that. But right now they're just, they're running whole hog. And there's some businesses like the Lou Edwards group. It's a public relations business that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars running up and down the state of California and maybe other states convincing supervisors to how to become devious and fraudulent and lie and take more money from the population. And then, and then they get paid off. So the last I heard last night is that, you know, they only need 50% plus one, and they're just right about there. There are only 140 votes separating the no's versus the yeses. The no's have it right now, which is, I'm shocked because there was the, 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 uh, the government supervisors spent, I think, about a half a million dollars to push this through. And the opposition, the no on Measure A, to no, I don't want to pay any more taxes. We're already taxed. We're the highest taxed people in the union, the United States of America. And the no's so far are leading, leading the pack. Now, maybe by the time you hear this, I will be incorrect, and maybe the yeses will have it. Who knows? I don't know. But anyway, I just thought it was very interesting and uh, what's going on here. Now, one of my favorite things to do used to be, I used to fly a lot, and uh, I mean as a passenger, and uh, I used to fly Southwest Air, and they used to have all kinds of benefits that if you flew them a lot, they would give you f free flights and all that stuff. So over the years, um, when I was working a lot and flying a lot because of my work, I... Uh, I got lots of benefits with Southwest Air, but during COVID I couldn't fly, right? And uh, and and then they, when I did fly, they harassed me so bad because of mass. I I I don't like them anymore. Even though I got all this free flights, which I may end up just donating, giving away. So, what happened during COVID? Is that the airlines were given millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to cooperate with the government and stop flying. And then when they did fly, uh, certain people, they would they'd make them mask up and do all these routines and stuff, test, stick a stick up their nose and show a positive, positive or negative test and that stuff. So, but what's happened is all these corporations, many of these corporations had now become woke. And uh, so recently, um, 
a lady, I'm trying to think of her name here. Uh, hold on here if I can get my, my, I'm not used to this computer. I'm still uh, scrolling my screen back and forth. So uh, <clears throat> Southwest Airlines recently got, uh, went after one of their longtime employees. Her name's Charlene Carter. And uh, they, uh, they fired her. And, and the reason they fired her is they went on her social media, uh, had nothing to do with her employment there, and she actually made some comments about being pro-life. Well, it turned out Charlene Carter, who I, I don't know if she'd been working for them for 20 years or something like that, but anyway, she'd had, a, as a young woman, she had an abortion. And Charlene Carter uh, regretted her abortion and had taken years to sort that out in her own life, come to terms with it. And uh, in the meantime, she'd become a Christian woman. And she felt very strongly about uh, pro-life. And so she had made some pro-life comments on her own uh, social media page. And uh, so they went after her and fired her, and she filed a, a lawsuit against them and a federal jury awarded her more than $5 million, declaring that Southwest illegally fired her for protected speech. In other words, she had a right when she's off duty to uh, speak her mind. Well, during under woke, under the woke era, we no longer, according to many people, have a right. Sorry, I'm having trouble with my computer again. We have a right to uh, have free speech. In other words, our speech not is not protected. <clears throat> so she used Facebook <clears throat> to express religious views on abortion and criticize the flight attendant union, a union official. Uh, after she did that, a union official reported her post to Southwest. Now, listen, she didn't criticize Southwest. She re- she criticized the union. Right. So the union threw her under the bus <clears throat> So uh, anyway, what's going on here now, even though she and others have protested that Southwest is now delving into their personal lives, not not vetting them to go to work for them, but these people are long term employees. And now the government, the Southwest is saying, when you work for us, you cannot you have to use a certain pronouns. You have to follow all these things, even though you're off duty. She worked for uh, Southwest for 21 years before she was fired. Um, and uh, anyway, they haven't paid her yet. But here's the issue. <clears throat> it says it's created a, a, a culture of fear among Southwest employees. And um, the employees fear that if their names were ever divulged, they would all lose their jobs. In other words, now it's just like in communist countries. A friend of mine uh, that I work with in Vietnam he sent me a picture of a lady one day. She was a lady probably in her 50s. And she was just, you know, it was just a picture in, in the village where she lived. And he says, see this lady? And I said, yeah. And he says, her husband posted on Facebook in Vietnam. And Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam people are the seventh highest using people of Facebook. They love Facebook. And so this pastor had posted on Facebook how he felt the government needed to become freer and give people more human rights. Well, 
the government picked him up and put him in prison. They didn't give him any any trial. They don't have any rights there like we do. They put him in prison. So now we have the same type of thing going on in the United States of America. Uh, so these employees are saying that their employer, Southwest, appears to be signaling that just about anyone could be fired for conduct similar to Carter's. In other words, you don't have any right to disagree about anything in our in our society or the union or whatever. Southwest has continued investigating employees for online statements, including some made in private chat groups. The employees said several workers have been summoned to fact-finding meetings over pronouns that the company urged employees to use with transgender co-workers. So now we have co-workers that are male uh, or they're, as they say, chicks with a dick. And so now you have to compromise your own ethics, your own religious views, your own perspective, and call people something that they aren't. In other words, they could be a human, but you, now you've got to call them a chicken. Southwest re- recent actions have created a lot of fear among rank and file and flight, atten- flight attendants uh, groups. Um, so the, the labor union, Transport Worker Workers Union of America, Local 556, doesn't seem to be pushing back. In other words, the union, just like in communist countries, the union is aligned with the big company, which is aligned with the government, right? Just like the big box stores and all of them complied with the government during COVID, they stayed open and the little people all got crushed by your local supervisors who all complied, right? So it says the union activists, those who hate conservatives and Christians, are actively copying, looking for information that they can use to harm those that they disagree with. So Christians now are on the chopping block, and conservatives are on the chopping block of Southwest Airlines. Um, Southwest communication policy practices appeared to be broadening even before the new policies were distributed flight attendant said so all this stuff about pronouns that you think oh that's never going to affect me well if you go to work for one of these big companies like southwest it's going to so they're saying here moles are undercover people infiltrated these private chat groups using an encrypted messaging service then provided screenshots of messages to southwest the flight the flight attendant said The company later questioned employees about the content, noting that Southwest's inquiries are not just limited to traditional social media anymore. In October, Southwest began sending electronic notices telling employees that they were required to acknowledge a set of policies by midnight central time on October 31. The messages stated that failure to acknowledge the policies by the deadline would result in unspecified disciplinary action. Four of the six policies caused concern among interviewed employees. These policies deal with social media, information security, and privacy of information. In other words, they're losing, they're having to surrender their confidentiality or their privacy information when they give it to Southwest. In other words, they can use their privacy information, their information security any way they want. And so uh, this one person said, I would say 99% of the employees don't know what they clicked on when they click the different boxes to apply. 
that they're basically surrendering all their privacy information to Southwest Air to be used or to be, and they can be spied on. Uh, said one, one pilot disapproves of a provision stating that the company can share personal information with third parties. The data can also be uh, stored and transferred outside of the United States of America. Other employees pointed out that Southwest's definition of personal information gets into unexpected territory like health, religious, philosophical beliefs, sexual orientation. In other words, maybe they don't want, uh, they think, oh, well, you're, you're uh, questionable because you're heterosexual. So uh, anyway, there's a shakedown happening at Southwest. You remember, Southwest was one that totally complied with the government, and then they, they turned around and said, oh, oh no, we're not going to do that. Remember that? It, uh, they got, I can't remember the issue right now, but uh, they have been totally aligned. Why would they align with the government? Because they gave them millions of your tax dollars, folks, millions of your and my tax dollars to not fly, Right. So uh, anyway, Carter, 57, who was the lady that won the the lawsuit, uh, had this abortion when she was 19. She said she suffered medical issues and lifelong regret over her decision to terminate her first pregnancy. She's a Christian who believes in God, that God has forgiven her. And uh, anyway, she thought she had a right to tell her story on her own private time and her own private chat. So um, now we have these uh, companies that we work for becoming big brother. In other words, the government has influenced and taken over these companies. We'll be right back. We have section uh, or uh, segment five coming up. Our leaders don't get it. Let me give you a little example. The Olympics. We wanted to get the Olympics in Chicago. The President of the United States makes a trip to Europe on Air Force One. Trip must have cost probably $10 million if you knew what these planes cost with all the security. He goes there to make the case that the Olympics should come to the United States. This is called Amateur Hour. He gets an audience, and he leaves. So I say to myself, oh, we've got the Olympics, it's done. Because no president of the United States would have ever gone to Europe and made such a big deal unless he got or had a wink and a nod, meaning you come here, you're getting it. Not only didn't we get it, we came in fourth place. Now think of this. This is the way our country is run. On the eve of the U.S. elections, Kim.com published a thread of important questions that every American should be asking. He wrote, the U.S. proxy war in Ukraine is not going well. Let's ask some important questions and see if you have the answers. Feel free to reply. One, how long will people in the West accept sending billions to Ukraine? while they have a major cost-of-living crisis. Two, 
Now that large parts of Ukraine are without power, how many millions of additional Ukrainian refugees can Europe support? Winter is coming. Three, Russia prepares a major offensive this winter with up to 500,000 fresh troops. How will Ukraine stop them with their depleted army? Four, the Russian economy is fine despite Western sanctions. Russia now sells oil and gas to China and India, with Turkey becoming the new energy hub to Europe, meaning Russia can afford this war for as long as it wants. Are Western taxpayers prepared to spend a trillion in Ukraine? Five, Russia is now mass-producing $30,000 kamikaze drones. They destroy NATO weapon systems that cost millions. While Russia is fighting a low-budget war, it preserves high-end arms for a confrontation with NATO. How long until NATO is running out of high-end arms to defend itself? Six, Russia is winning because it has the clear strategic advantage. Time is on its side. The longer this conflict takes, the more likely the defeat of the West becomes, no matter how much money and arms they send to Ukraine. What then? NATO troops in Ukraine? Nuclear war? Or peace? Seven, the US-EU propaganda is failing. Most people can see the reality of this US proxy war. It's all over the internet. Ukraine flags on social media have disappeared. And as with past US wars built on lies, this one is also running out of steam. Who still supports this nonsense? Eight, now ask yourself the most important question. The US proxy war in Ukraine only serves US interests to prevent BRICS from ending USD dominance. US empire is bankrupt. Time to accept that. Let's go multipolar. This is not the issue for which humanity must end in a nuclear war. Kim.com is correct. President Vladimir Putin's suggestion for a multipolar world is the only reasonable solution. 1776 worldwide. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. I say you will when you won't, uh -uh, honey, don't. Well, I love you, baby, and you ought to know. I like the way that you wear your clothes. Everything about you is the doggone sweet. You got that sand all over your feet, but uh -uh. Well, honey, don't. Honey, don't. Honey, don't. All right. Let me mention a couple other people. I don't want to get into uh, this. COVID amnesty. You think we should be offering amnesty to all these people that lied to us? We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to mention some people. Thrifty Rooter, if you need your uh, plumbing straightened out, fixed, repaired, new plumbing put in, new fixtures put in. Thrifty Rooter's been doing it longer than anybody I know here over almost 50 years. Thrifty Rooter. And uh, you can reach out to them on their website and find out all the different things they do because they don't do a lot of things. They, they do a lot more things than the average plumber operation does. 
They do, uh, you know, we're in the foothills here in the rural areas, so we have a lot of septic systems, and they pump those out. They do a lot of things that other folks don't do. Thrifty Rooter, you can find out all the things that they do uh, perform at thriftyrooter.net. Thriftyrooter.net, R-O-O-T-E-R.net. Or you could call them. if You can actually email them off that website and just write up what, what your problems are. Put your name and phone number, address, and click go, send, and they will get it. Or you can just dial them up old school at their landline at 530-673-8201. They got vans all over town. I just run into them every time I go out for a drive, have to run an errand. I run into Thrifty Rooter on their way to fix somebody's problem. So, uh, and they, they, and they get there, they can get there very fast. So Thrifty Rooter can take care of you. And, you know, people don't stay in business. A lot of these businesses that I promote here have been in business over 40 years. It's amazing. You can't stay in business like that and not do a great job. So five, three, zero, six, seven, three, eight, two, zero, one. Also, um, Let's see, Elite Universal Security, Monty Hecker. Once he got out of the Air Force, he started Elite Universal Security up here in Yuba County in Northern California, but they serve all over the North State. And if you have a problem uh, with your items, your property disappearing, or vandalism, or trouble on your people encroaching on your property, or people lighting fires on your property unauthorized or doing wild, you know, all the things that can happen, they will help you. And you could dial them up at 530-749-0280, 749-0280. If you need to understand some new technology that, that can be employed to monitor the situation instead of having just a drive-by or having a person stand around there like a business, they can help you with that as well. If you need uh, a gun to carry with you, to protect you, they can help you with all the rules and the licenses and stuff and the training to get that. They have their own shooting range. Some businesses, they are carrying large amounts of money and they need to carry a gun with them, right? Or maybe you're just concerned about your personal safety for some reason. They can help you with all that. 530-749-0280. If you would like to earn a little extra income, you think, hey, the price of gas, the price of tacos, the price of this, the price of that. I wasn't expecting this. I'm retired, but I think I need to go to work for 10 or 20 hours a week. They they may take you on, and they will train you to how to, how to do guard work and get you their guard card. You know, in California, you just have to have a card for this, a card for that, a license for this, certificate for that. They will do that for you by just a phone call. And you may be in a different county than where we're, we're sitting right now. Maybe you're up in Butte County or Nevada County or Shasta County or Calusa County. That's fine. Just call them, and they may have work over there, and you don't even have to leave your area. You can just work right in your town. And uh, they will train you from where they they are. So give them a shout out. And then um, Greenitz Construction, uh, uh, they're another group that uh, Dave Greenitz started in business over 40 years ago. And it's grown and grown and grown. And now he has multiple crews and they they do a lot of different remodeling. But 
what they become really known for is kitchens and baths. And so you can go on their website or their Facebook site, and I'm going to give you those coordinates. Greenitzconstruction.com. That's green with E-T-Z on the end, greenitzconstruction.com, or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page. And they have before and after. They even have the floor plans, how they changed the, the layout, what it looked like before, what it looked like now, what it looks like now. And I don't have to explain it. You, you're you're going to be impressed. And um, they are the best. And they're not going to goof your operation up. You know, if you go with somebody you don't know about or doesn't have a track record, there is a risk. You know, they could be good or they maybe will leave things to be desired. So what you don't want is, oh, I wish I'd done it this way or, oh, that didn't turn out like I'd expected. Uh, You know, it's nice to have guys that do this day in, day out, day in, day out for 40 years so they can tell you what won't work and what will work. So you can reach them, you can send them a message off those platforms, or you can dial or text 530-682-9602. There's talk a lot on the internet right now about COVID amnesty. What does COVID amnesty really mean? There's a lot of people that should be held accountable for killing people, damaging people, damaging their heart, damaging, uh, causing them to have blood clots, all kinds of problems, millions of people in America. Let's just stay focused on America for a minute. And um, so I want to, Dr. Joseph Mercola, he is a medical doctor. He is not a rookie. He's at the end of his career. But he has been, his platforms have been banned off social media because of his opposition to COVID and the exposing of the lies. And so Dr. Joseph Mercola, that's M-E-R, like cola, Coca-Cola, M-E-R cola, all one word, M-E-R cola. He says, there can be no amnesty for COVID-19 narrative pushers as people proven right are still being persecuted as misinformation spreaders and illegal government censorship continues without abatement. This is a long article, but there is, uh, you know how when there are long, uh, detailed articles, they do story at a glance. And I'm just going to take the high points here of the story at a glance, depending, you know, based on the time. I have a couple articles like this that I think are very challenging, interesting. He says, as the COVID-19 lies, he's talking about lies versus truth, as the COVID-19 lies are now being exposed at exponential speed, some of those proven wrong are getting nervous. So nervous, in fact, that they're now pleading for amnesty and to just let bygones be bygones. Doesn't this sound like the Nazis at the end of World War II and the excuses And I've been saying this for two years. Well, I was just doing my job. Well, I didn't know any different, right? Number two, Mercola says, while some now argue ignorance as their defense, there was no lack of data proving their positions were wrong, dangerous, destructive, and deadly right from the start. Number three, health and government officials weren't 
just wrong once and then changed their course? No, no, no. They doubled, tripled, and quadrupled down on errors, even in the face of overwhelming evidence that they were wrong. Granting amnesty to individuals who have been wrong from day one without a single apology is an untenable proposition. The price society has paid for their errors is far too great for that. I want you to just think locally. Well, let me just finish this, and I want, then I'll give you a little editorial comment. Number four, he says, they were wrong about masks working. They were wrong about natural immunity not working. They were wrong about asymmetric spread. Uh, sorry, sorry, asymptomatic spread. Asymptomatic, if, if you're, that, that's a word that you're not familiar with using, simply means that you don't have the illness, but you have, a, you have the, uh, the virus on you or in, in your nose. That is not in your body, by the way. If it's just in your nose, it is not in your body. You have lots of bacteria in your nose and on your skin all the time. They were wrong. They, remember, they said if you're asymptomatic, though you're not sick, you can still give it to others. That was wrong. They were wrong about the lockdowns. They were wrong about safety and effectiveness of the COVID shots. The COVID shots did not stop you from getting COVID. The COVID shots did not stop you from giving it to others. In fact, the COVID shot people, the injected people, are the ones spreading it now. The authorities were also wrong about SARS-CoV-2 jumping naturally from bats to humans by, by way of a wet market in Wuhan, China, and they were wrong when they insisted that mandating an experimental gene therapy was well within their bounds. Their legal bounds. If I I said this for two years, what they were doing is the same things that the Nazis were doing. That's why I called our local health officer, Doctor Joseph Mingala, because the Nazis authorized him to inject people with all kinds of untested, gnarly chemicals that de- that destroyed their lives, which is what exactly happened here no less did we we are during this covid situation did we kill millions of people we not only killed them by our restrictions but we killed them with the jab and we killed them putting them in the hospital on rendezvous and vents one doctor said over 90 percent of everyone he put on a ventilator died demanding mercola says demanding that officials be held accountable for these errors is not gloating. It's reestablishing a baseline of conduct and accountability to the public. Next, there can be no amnesty for COVID-19 narrative pushers as people proven right are still being persecuted as misinformation spreaders and illegal government censorship continues without abatement. In fact, the Department of Homeland Security now views censorship and controlling the information space as one of its core duties. I mentioned earlier that a search engine called DuckDuckGo that I uh, began using early on in COVID because I noticed that, that not only was 
Google, a corrupt organization, and, and, and cheating, helping cheat Trump out of the election. But they were also censoring uh, information, the freedom of information, for me to just go out and make my own decision. They were censoring that information. So on DuckDuckGo, supposedly, the search engine was much freer, and you could look at much more information. And sadly, uh, my friend Dan from Missouri uh, sent me a text just a bit ago before I started the show here that DuckDuckGo has now uh, been compromised and now is given in. Why would they get compromised? Well, it all has to do with money, people. It all has to do with money. One guy wrote, um, I believe perpetrators are calling for forgiveness because they fear punitive justice. If the perpetrators were held accountable in our current justice system, the scale of wrongdoing will result in punishments the perpetrators could not bear. This guy's arguing for forgiveness. These punishments would also not give those who lost their jobs, businesses, friends, family, health, and freedom anything back. What if there was another way that would be better for both victims and perpetrators? The wrongdoing of the pandemic has not been acknowledged. Those responsible have made no apologies. Calls for forgiveness appear dishonest when those responsible haven't even apologized, which is usually a prerequisite to ask for forgiveness. Creating equity would mean taking the ill-gotten gains of perpetrators like the Board of Supervisors and redistributing them to the people who lost their jobs and businesses during the pandemic. In short, it would mean reparations. Equity is not just about money. Losses during the pandemic were not just financial. People lose their friends, family members, and freedoms. Much of the harm done was cultural, emotional, and social. No amount of money can replace the ability to grieve in person at your loved one's funeral. Or at Adventist Hospital, our hospital locally would not let you grieve, go up, and say goodbye to your loved ones. One, this one writer's plea for decency, the person said that she and the mainstream media and public health officials failed to offer Americans during the throes of the pandemic comes at a point when the COVID-19 narrative has been all but lost. They just quit talking about it by the current administration. Have you thought about this? I've been, uh, as expected, he goes on to write, as expected, they have now been exposed to the falsehoods, cluelessness, and lies. <clears throat> and he restates them. <clears throat> let me just state these for you, because I don't want to forget about this, and I'm not going to let you forget about it, even if some people get tired of me talking about COVID. These are... The wrongs, some of the wrong. COVID-19 jabs were never tested for or proven to stop transmission. The fatality rate of COVID-19 was around 0.005%. In other words, your child was more likely to be die on the way to school than die from anything he got at school. Number three, masks never worked. They didn't work. They weren't intended to work. It was a fraud. Number four, the bioweapon came out of, out of a lab, not out of a bat and a wet market. It was all a lie. They knew it was a lie. They fabricated the story. They knew it all along, and now it's coming out. The jabs were not 95% effective, but actually increased the risk of you getting COVID-19. 
Next, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine worked wonderfully. But they were trounced by the government. Forbidden doctors were threatened that if they used them, they would lose their license. And, and the media smeared the use of them. Next, lockdowns did more damage than good. Lockdowns killed people. Lockdowns, people took their lives. People relapsed and died on, medi- uh, on uh, drugs, alcohol. Next, safe and effective turned into sudden and unexpected death. I want you to just think about all the things that were done to you when you were told by the supervisors of our two counties you could not go to church. You you could not go to uh, your support groups, your drug and alcohol support groups. You could not go to visit your grandma. You could not go to work. Many of you uh, were cut off from work with no way to earn a living. You were told you had to wear a mask that was ridiculous and actually caused illness and cut people's oxygen, uh, minimized people's oxygen. Kids lost over a year of schooling. Many kids, some kids took their own lives. Kids were forbidden to be with other children, which is criminal. We are not designed to be alone. We're designed to be in groups and enjoy each other, touch each other, hug each other, kiss each other. And that's the way we stay healthy. Doctors that are honest would say that your immune system becomes weaker and compromised by staying alone in a solitary environment. You need to mix it up. You need to exchange germs with other people so your immune system stays robust. The murder, this one writer says, these murderous hypocrites killed thousands of senior citizens by knowingly putting infected patients into old age homes that include here locally in the Yuba Sutter area. You weren't allowed to say goodbye to your loved ones and attend funerals, but the chosen ones dined at extravagant restaurants and allowed liquor stores and Walmart to stay open. Your small businesses were destroyed while Amazon made billions of dollars and hired tens of thousands of new employees. They killed thousands more by putting treatable patients on ventilators and Dr. Anthony Fauci's remdesivir and additional thousands were killed by allowing safe and effective treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to be prescribed by doctors. They were killed. They have killed and injured hundreds of thousands through coercion threats mandates and never-ending stream of lies that force people into taking dangerous and untested toxic concoctions a big pharma bioweapon we're going to take a break here we got one more segment to go be right back Before his first election, the radical opposition attempted to assassinate Jair Bolsonaro. 
Jair Bolsonaro has been left in a serious but stable condition in hospital. This after being stabbed while drumming up support ahead of next month's vote. Hospital officials say it could take two months for him to recover. They failed and President Bolsonaro went on to become today's leading model of what a world leader should be, a man of the people. He spoke out against the COVID pandemic hoax from the very beginning. Brazil's right-wing president, Jair Bolsonaro, said he will not take a coronavirus vaccine, calling it his, quote, right. He made statements live on social media Thursday, adding that Congress was not likely to require Brazilians to take a vaccine. He thanked the farmers of Brazil for not shutting down. Vocês não ficaram em casa. Não se acovardaram. Nós temos que enfrentar os nossos problemas. Chega de frescura, de mimimi. And declared every single Brazilian as being essential. Essa atividade é essencial, aquela não. Atividade essencial é toda aquela necessária para o chefe de família levar o pão para dentro de casa. Porra! And now the world is realizing that Bolsonaro was right. No matter how much the media tries to smear him, the people of Brazil love him. Nós queremos the awakening masses in Brazil, like everywhere else in the world today, were expecting election fraud. Polls show Bolsonaro still trailing behind left-wing former leader Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Polls are lying. If Lula is really the front-runner, where is he? Where are his crowds? We are here to show that Bolsonaro represents the majority. He will only lose the election if there is fraud, and the people will take to the streets to stop that from happening. And they have taken to the streets. All over Brazil, the people are not willing to go the way of Joe Bama the way of the World Economic Forum. What will it take for the people to be represented? And what will America do if the anticipated red wave is stolen? The president's office may have conceded defeat, but many of Jair Bolsonaro's millions of supporters have not. They took to the streets of Sao Paulo in their thousands. The national flag waved above the crowds as they gathered outside the headquarters of the military's southeastern command. They're calling for an intervention. Put simply, they want a military coup. They despise the leftist policies of Lula da Silva and they want him out by any means. I think the red wave that's coming is going to be like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. <laughs> Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese.
Sandra, An Inconvenient Minority. That is the name of a new book by our next guest and how author Kenny Hsu refers to Asian Americans. As an Asian American himself, Hsu explains how he's considered to be an inconvenient minority to the critical race theory narrative. Let's bring in author Kenny Hsu. He's also the president of Color Us United. Kenny, great to see you today. Uh, you said in an interview with FoxNews.com, Asian Americans prove that critical race theory is not true, cannot be true. Make that case. Well, critical race theory asserts, and, and I talk about this in my book, An Inconvenient Minority, but critical race theory asserts that the world in America is divided into a racial caste system, whites on the top, blacks on the bottom, but they have no idea what to do with Asian Americans because Asian Americans are a minority. You know, they have been discriminated against in this country, and yet sure. they succeed and they achieve. And uh, that, that, I think, inconveniences the critical race theory narrative today, and that's why I wrote this book. You make the argument that if America is systemically racist, as many proponents of critical race theory believe, how is it that Asian Americans have flourished and, in many cases, overtaken whites in terms of level of education and socioeconomic status? So, so how is it? How is it that Asian Americans flourish in this country? It has to do with culture. You know, Asian Americans study twice as many hours as the average American. Today, we always talk about the Tiger Mother. You know, that was Amy Chua's fa uh, famous book. Um, but it's not just Tiger Mother parenting. It's also strong two-parent family structures. It's a strong value on education. It's a love for hard work and for meritocracy. And that's at stake with critical race theory because critical race theory is anti-meritocratic. It believes that merit is racist. So if policies like Harvard's discrimination against Asian Americans are allowed, guess who loses out? Well, it's the hardworking Asian Americans that work so hard to get their spot. Which brings me to my next point, because we now see the emergence, Harvard and other places, of attempts to limit Asian American enrollment in some of these prestigious uh, educational institutions. That would appear to be the very definition of systemic racism, to, to limit the number of people who can get in on a merit-based program uh, in order to keep up levels of enrollment of other people. You know, I analyzed 90,000 pages of Harvard admissions data. And stretching back for 30 years, Asian Americans have been kept at a cap at admissions between 15 and 18 percent of the student body. That has only recently changed. And, you know, Harvard's own estimates said that if Asians were not discriminated against, they would be 43 percent of the student body. Now, people are saying, well, is that too many Asians? Well, I say I'm indignant at that claim. I'm indignant at the claim that Asians are all the same kind of person, they're all the same kind of faceless, test-taking robot with no personality. We have to look past race in this country. And I wrote this book, hopefully, to heal America and to bring Americans together in service of meritocracy. So I asked Vivek Ramaswamy this question yesterday, and, and let me ask you as well. Yeah. Have, you, have you personally experienced racism in this country? And, and what did you do to keep it in perspective? Well. I have to say, America has been very good to me. Um, yes, I've experienced racism, especially you know from the Ivy Leagues when they judge Asian Americans as low personalities. That's what Harvard does. Um, but you know what? America has been very good to me, and America has been good to every person in every of this country. Uh, one of the things in my book that I talk about is this guy named Bin Vo. He's a Vietnamese American. Mm -hmm. He came to this country from Vietnam, and he um, and he was the, with the instant he landed here. Uh, you know, a police officer picked him up and sent him home, uh, and he—that was an act of charity that he did not. 
he could not find in his home country. That's the goodness of America, and I want to highlight that. Interesting. Kenny Shu, the book is called An Inconvenient Minority. Thank you for joining us today. Good to see you. Appreciate it. All right, I want to mention uh, the other business that's been a big help to us is not the plumbing doctor, Ted Holmes. In fact, I, Ted, I just got a text from him. He said he's in Mexico for a month. He's not down there laying on the beach. Ted is always up to something, and he's working on an orphanage down there. So uh, Ted Holmes, plumbing doctor, provides plumbing services to Yuba Sutter counties, and you can reach him at 530-671-9111. They will respond night or day and seven days a week, although it's probably get a little better deal if you can do a, a Monday through Friday, eight to five. But they are ready to meet your needs. And so give them a shot. Plumbing doctor, 530-671-9111. All right. Uh, okay. So. What do you think? You, has anybody heard the supervisors of Yuba and Sutter County since I'm sitting here? I know some of you are listening from other states. Anybody from your area apologize? Hospital apologize? I think our hospital is probably still requiring people to get in the hospital with have to be jabbed or you have to be tested. You know, the, um, the tests were totally fraudulent. Everything about this was a setup. Did you know that? It was planned years ago. It wasn't just a something just sprung up. Oh, my goodness, people are getting sick over here. What is it? What is it? What is it? They knew what it was. They knew what it was. They knew where it came from. They knew what they were going to do to, to um, trouble people enough so they would <clears throat> consi consider a jab that no one knew what it was. There was no informed consent on the jab. You know, in medical science where they where they want to do an option, you know, when I go get operated on, they always ask me to sign informed consent, right? They tell you what you're going to, what's going to happen to you, what may happen, what will happen, uh, what can happen, and then you sign off informed consent, right? There was no informed consent on that jab. Did you, it's amazing to me how, Adults of today would warn their kids not to take street drugs, not to take drugs that somebody gave them or somebody else's medication. Yet they would they would put that jab in people's arm because a white coat, a person in a white coat was putting that jab in there. Isn't that amazing? That is that shocking? The supervisors endorsed and actually I have YouTube clips of key political leaders, city council and supervisors, standing behind Dr. Mengele Liu, endorsing all the COVID policies. None of those guys, they happen to be all guys in this, this situation. None of these men were medical people. They had no idea what they were talking about. 
They just simply backed what their their hired gun, Dr. Mengele Liu, said. Everything she said was 100% incorrect. Everything. She didn't get anything right. Not one thing. And instead of, like, dealing with that, questioning that, doing their own research, they none of them did that. Instead, in Yuba County, they actually filed an action against me. It took me to court because I was exposing that she was killing people and she should be held accountable in a court of law and punished, even if that meant death. And I say it again today. I think that Dr. Mingla Lu, Fong Lu, should be tried in a court of law. And my hope would be that she would get capital punishment because she killed Many, 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 many people in the Yuba Sutter area and many people, I know them, are damaged for life because she endorsed the shot. She endorsed the mask. She endorsed all this stuff. People I know killed themselves during COVID because of Dr. Mingala Liu's uh, pressure and restrictions. She should be held accountable. The supervisors themselves should be held accountable in a court of law by putting these type of restrictions. You say, oh, well, it's all about the state. The state didn't come down here and do anything. Gavin Newsom wasn't down here doing stuff. It was our supervisors and city council members that actually stood up and endorsed all this. It was Dan Flores who actually went in the paper to attack me, a supervisor, Dan Flores, when I question forcing Little League kids, in other words, you can't play baseball unless you wear a mask out here. And he went on, said that he, he endorsed basically the whole, the whole idea of masking these little children. Totally, he's not an, a medical person. He has no idea what he's talking about. Unbelievable. So let's move on down here and because we're we're at our last segment. And I want to talk about. uh, Let's see, I wanted to find. This doctor, Dr. Pierre Corey, K.O.R.Y. How and why pharma killed ivermectin. If you ever, you know, I stumbled across a YouTube video of how ivermectin was discovered by a Japanese man. I'm going to have to go back and look. I sent that to Dr. Cassidy, and he was so fascinated with it, the discovery of what became ivermectin and how the initial use was it helped people keep from going blind, ivermectin. It's a wonder drug. And so Dr. Pierre Corey... Uh, wrote this book. In other words, we one book that you should read is The Real Anthony Fauci, or actually read that, or just go watch the video, watch the movie. I think it's 90 minutes. I watched it. I just watched it right on my phone. The Real Anthony Fauci. It's shocking. So read the book, The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr., But this is another mind-blowing book that I want to read. It's called The War on Ivermectin, 
The subtitle is The Medicine That Saved Millions and Could Have Ended the COVID Pandemic by Dr. Pierre Corey. He details the history of ivermectin and how and why behind Big Pharma's suppression of this drug when it was found to work against COVID-19. The government of the United States, a medical, now a medical dictatorship, has determined that they are going to de- that they are going to say what doctors have to do when any kind of ailment happens. They're going to have a prescription or protocol on how to deal with every medical ailment, and if they don't follow that, they will lose their medical license. So the story at a glance is this: in the book. The war on ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the COVID pandemic. Corey details the history of ivermectin and what was behind Big Pharma's attack on it. You know why they attacked it? Well, let me just go ahead and then I'll make some editorial comments. He says, Corey, after spending his career as an internist and critical care physician, Corey now turned his attention to the long-haul COVID-19 and post-jab injury syndromes. In other words, he's addressing not only the illness, but now those people that took the jab, how to treat them, how to help them. Next, daily ivermectin use is a mainstay of the treatment plans for long-haulers. In other words, people that that need to um, use a prophylactic against getting these type of viruses can use ivermectin. It's it's they discovered another use of this, this wonder drug ivermectin. And you remember the media uh, said it was a horse drug. Remember that? And they mocked it. That's how the media and the government and big pharma all work together. Also, ivermectin is being used to treat those with jab injuries, injection injuries, vaccine injuries, if you will, as a drug very effectively binds to the toxic spike protein. You know, there's a spike protein that's toxic, that's creating blood clots, aneurysms, all kinds of things. And there's also methylene blue, which is something I've never heard of. It's another medicine. It can be helpful for the struggling, those struggling with crippling fatigue from the shots as it boosts mitochondrial respiration and improves energy metabolism. So if you're having problems, if you took the jab, you might ask your doctor or just go get some ivermectin or ask your doctor about methylene blue. Methylene blue is actually the parent molecule for hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. They're all, you know, the reason, I'll say this now, the reason that Big Pharma did not want to use hydroxychloroquine or allow it to be used or ivermectin is because they're they're no longer expensive drugs. They're off-patent drugs that are very inexpensive. In fact, my friends in in, uh, uh, Cambodia who take care of 2,500 orphans and about 500 caregivers were buying during COVID, we're buying ivermectin by the large box. So if you can imagine a box about two feet or three feet by three feet by three feet, they were buying that boxes of ivermectin at 25 cents a tab. So uh, 
he says that methylene blue is actually the parent molecule for hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine off their off what they call off patent drugs when you have an off patent drug it no longer is expensive that means anyone else you no longer have the corner on that drug or the patent it's 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 gone off patent so now anybody can make it and compete with you and they also added use of zinc Then he says the war on ivermectin reveals the disinformation playbook used by Big Pharma and its many allies to suppress highly useful and inexpensive medicines in order to protect and increase their profits. By the way, Borla, Pfizer, this guy named Borla, who's the president, the CEO He's actually working with Gates and Klaus Schwab and the group to reduce the population of the world, I think, by 2025, by half. And he said they're very pleased with their progress. This is amazing. This is a guy that you're trusting their medications, and he's wanting to kill off the population by half. I didn't read this somewhere. I saw the guy say this on YouTube. On a video of, in a conference. It was him. I saw him. I've seen him multiple, multiple times. Pfizer. There's no, no company. In the history of the world. That's made the profits that they've made. In the last year. Like Paul Merrick, another doctor, and Dr. Peter McCullough, Corey has been threatened by the American Board of Internal Medicine, which is seeking to take his medical license. Now, this is something I learned reading this article. Well, let me finish this. And then he says, while a family doctor in private practice can operate without board certification. I didn't know this. I'm going to say it again. I've wondered, what if they pull the certification or the licenses of these people? Can they still practice as a doctor? And I thought maybe they can't unless they go rogue. But he says, while a family doctor in private practice can operate without board certification, most medical centers will not hire a doctor who isn't board certified in his specialty. And insurance companies won't put you on their panel. I mean, maybe the panel, what that means is, they won't approve you to receive reimbursements from them. I think that's what that means. But the, but what is encouraging is that we could start a whole new medical community not using the government sanct- you know, blessing, right? Corey says it, he's not concerned about the threat of losing his license. He said it's little more than an intimidation tactic to shut him up as he has no intention of ever going back to a hospital setting. He says, I'm done. There's no way I could walk into a hospital. I've learned too much. I've learned. What, what has he learned? The hospitals will kill you for, for money. You know, we arrest people. If somebody receives money to kill you, that's called a contract on your life. And they arrest people even for talking about it. That's called a conspiracy. And then if they do that, that's murder. That's that's murder one. That's first degree murder. But what he's saying is that hospitals literally killed people for the money. He said 
I've just learned too much. I've learned too much about the pharmaceutical control of almost all of medical evidence. There's no way I can fit anymore. Now I'm a square peg in a round hole. So to be honest, I don't think losing my board certification would have an impact on me. I'm, I am now in private practice. I have a bustling telehealth practice, and I'm happy. I'm outside the system. I can do and say and care for the patients in a matter that I best see fit. In other words, it's the same thing as my friend Randy Mitchell, who was the government tried to shut down his barber shops and salons. And he said, I am an American and I'm following the Constitution and you are not. And I am not going to resort to being bullied by the government. And I'm not going to I'm not going to get a license from you anymore. I don't want your license. And he now is a private membership association, and you can join his association with your first haircut or first hairdo, and you now a part of his private club. And you don't he doesn't need to follow the rules and regulations of the government anymore, just like this doctor's saying. So Corey says, anyway, our reply to the American Board of Medical Internal Medicine was different than Peter's. In other words, Peter McCullough. He presented all the evidence to support all the statements they accused him of. In other words, they said, well, you said all these wrong statements. So he's, he produced all the evidence on, how, on why he said what he said. He was very data-driven, evidence-based. He said, what we did, Corey says, what we did, I love this. Our lawyer looked at their policy on misinformation, which is the government's, the American Board of Med Internal Medicine, they looked at their policy on misinformation and the process of convicting someone of misinformation, and it required that they provide us the evidence showing that we were wrong. In other words, why are, are we as citizens saying we have to prove why we were wrong? Let the government prove why we were wrong or the medical medical or the American Medical Association. So he says, but the letter to us, when we said, you prove to us why we are wrong. He said, the letter they sent back was a bizarre letter. It was a hodgepodge of statements that I'd made or written on my Substack articles. And it was just implied that what I said was misinformation. So we just simply wrote back, excuse us. I'm quoting, excuse us, but your letter does not follow your own misinformation policy. We ask that you kindly reissue the letter with the evidence showing that we're wrong. And we've, we've got no, no response to that. So listen, people, we have been buffaloed. We have been Shanghai to use a lot of euphemisms. We've been lied to. We've been stolen from. I had a friend that was a methamphetamine addict, went to prison many times, and he used to say, I would steal my friend's drugs, and then I would help him look for them all night. Does that seem bizarre to you? That's exactly what we've been through with COVID. They created, they created this illness from, from scratch. They lied how it came, and then they prescribed how they were going to deal with it. Masks, six feet apart, closed down the schools, shut down all small businesses. It's all part to shut down our society and do a takeover of American society as a global operation. Take away small businesses, independent businesses. And then they got people so frustrated. The goal was to get people so 
so frustrated and desperate that they would take a jab and then they would jab you every few months with a booster and make millions and millions of dollars a bunch, really uh, with just a lot of farmyard pigs. They treat us like pigs. That's exactly what's going on. So uh, we're coming down to the end of our show today. And uh, I hope you learned something and we will be back next week if the Lord wills. So uh, I hope your can- some of your candidates won. As usual, most of the things that I wanted to happen didn't happen. But I, I did the best I could. I voted. I, I always vote. And um, as God requires it of us, that we need to stand up for what's right. So we do that no matter what happens. See you next week. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies are blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day and the dark sacred night. And I think to myself.